0: Well, this morning we are finishing the first chapter of the Gospel of John, that John writes his gospel, and really in the first chapter he is inviting us and all the readers to encounter Jesus. It's one of the biggest themes throughout the whole Gospel of John, that we are to be a witness so that others come to Jesus, come to meet Jesus, come to know Jesus, come to believe in Jesus. And so this morning in our passage here at the end of chapter 1, we see some of the disciples first come to follow Jesus. So I'd encourage you if you don't have your bulletins or bibles open already to open up to John chapter 1 verses 35 through 51. John 1:35 through 51. Hear the word of God. The next day again John, that is John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You speak clearly to us in Your Word and that You have preserved it through the Spirit for many generations that it is your inspired Word, that it is your infallible and inerrant Word, that because it is yours, it cannot be wrong, and that you speak your truth to us in this living Word, and it works even today. And so, God, use me in spite of my sin, in spite of my weakness. Be strong, O God, and may your Word go forth clearly as I seek to faithfully expound this Word and explain it, that we would know it. Open our ears to hear, O God, and open our minds and hearts to receive and understand your word, and so be shaped as the Spirit works in us by the word for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, looking at our passage this morning, I want us to see how these people come to know Jesus and why that's such a big deal. And so we're going to first... Look at what this passage has to say to those people who do not believe in Jesus. And then we're going to look at what this passage has to say to those people who do believe in Jesus. And then I want us to finish by considering why is this Jesus guy such a big deal? Why is the focus on him so much? So first, I want to look at what this scripture says to people who do not believe in Jesus. So that may be true of you, that you are here with someone else. Maybe you are here just interested, or maybe not all that interested, and you don't know or believe in Jesus. What does this passage say to you? Well, we see what this says to people who do not believe in Jesus in the person of Nathanael. Now, Nathanael, you may think, oh, that's one of the twelve disciples. Maybe. Nathanael is not listed in any of the other lists of the 12 disciples that we find in the other gospels. Some scholars think Nathanael is Bartholomew because Philip, who calls Nathanael, is always listed right next to Bartholomew. And the name Bartholomew simply means son of Tholomew or Tholomus or something like that. And so he might be, he might not. All we know is Nathanael went and followed Jesus. But he's an especially interesting figure in this passage because Nathanael is both a seeker and a skeptic. A seeker and a skeptic. That people who do not believe in Jesus tend to be in one of these two broad categories. Perhaps they are seeking to know the truth. That they want to know, does God exist? If he does, how do I be in a right relationship with him? How can I be blessed by this God that I'd like to find out about? And they're seekers. Others are skeptics. They may reject the idea of God altogether. They may be apathetic or indifferent to God, don't really care about God. Or maybe they simply have too many doubts in order to commit to faith in Jesus. Nathanael, strangely, has elements of being a seeker and a skeptic all at the same time. See, after Philip encounters Jesus, Philip goes and finds Nathanael and he tells him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, you wouldn't go say that to someone you've never talked about the Messiah with before. So clearly, Philip and Nathanael had discussed this Messiah, They believe the promises of God found in Scripture, and together they have been looking for this person God would send to restore Israel. And so Nathanael very clearly was seeking God with Philip. But we also see how Nathanael reacts to this. He says to Philip, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Cleveland? Can anything good come out of these places we don't think good can come out of? Nathanael is skeptical about Jesus because of where he hears Jesus grew up. How could such an important person come from such an unimportant type of place? And so Nathanael had assumptions about what the Messiah would be like. And being from Nazareth did not match those expectations. He objected to Jesus because of a preconceived notion about who he thought the Messiah would be. And so Nathanael, he could have stopped there. He could have just refused to consider Jesus anymore. That Jesus did not meet his assumptions, did not meet his objections. He could have sought the Messiah elsewhere. But Philip says to Nathanael, come and see. And that is an invitation to all seekers and skeptics. Don't simply stop at the church. learn about Christianity, though you can learn a lot about Christianity from the church. Don't simply search YouTube for videos about Christianity, though there are some good videos on there. Go to Jesus. Open your Bibles and read the Gospels and encounter Jesus as he is clearly presented and find out who he really is. Our New Testament reading from Acts 5 speaks to the importance of finding out the truth. That this Pharisee named Gamaliel addresses the Jewish leaders who are angry that the apostles keep talking about Jesus. And Gamaliel says, guys, can we not kill them too, please? Let's just see how this plays out. If this thing is really from God, we can't stop it. And if it's a bunch of malarkey, it's going to fade away like all the other ones did. Gamaliel is saying, give it time. Let's see, let's find out what truth and power is in these followers of Jesus. So for those of you who do not believe in Jesus, isn't it worth looking into whether or not Jesus is who the Bible claims he is? And based on Gamaliel's counsel, shouldn't something of the last 2,000 years of the explosion of Christianity make us think, what if there's something here? Is it not worth investigating whether Jesus truly is the Son of God? Is it not worth reading the Gospels? They're not that long to consider their claims. Are you so busy that you cannot afford a couple months to learn more about Jesus? Now, yes, I understand the church has done some very bad things in history. I get that. I understand you have met some terrible people who call themselves Christians. I get that. I even understand you may have been hurt by the church in the past. I understand that Christian teaching doesn't fit with what you believe to be true. And I know it sounds crazy that we gather together every Sunday to worship a Jewish rabbi who lived 2,000 years ago. But bring all of those questions, bring all of those doubts to Jesus and come and see what he is about. So if that's what our passage has to say to those who do not believe in Jesus, what does it have to say to those who do believe in Jesus? Well, this passage shows us how to witness for Jesus. We are shown three examples of witnessing of people who do nothing more than bringing someone to Jesus. Our first example is John the Baptist. He's standing with two of his disciples. Jesus walks by. Behold, the Lamb of God. And they go and follow him. I mean, that's easy. That is real easy stuff. I don't know how well that would work today, but that's what he does. As we talked about last week, this was the whole purpose of John's ministry. He was sent by God to prepare the way for people to follow Jesus. And so John is not worried about losing two of his own disciples and followers. He was glad these two disciples left him and followed Jesus. And so he witnessed for Jesus. Our second example is one of those two disciples, who we learn to be Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. And we find some beautiful verses in verses 41 and 42. It says, Andrew first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah he brought him to Jesus. Upon encountering Jesus, Andrew recognized the importance of this encounter and he invited his brother to come meet Jesus too. He loved his brother so much that he wanted him to know Jesus. So Andrew's our second example of witness. Our third example is Philip. We meet Philip who was found by Jesus. Apparently, Jesus got to him first before he could get to Jesus. But immediately after being found by Jesus, he goes and finds Nathaniel, And he tells Nathaniel, found him, we got this guy. He's here, right here. And Nathanael objects. Skepticism, Nazareth, not a big deal. But even though he expresses that skepticism, even though he shows doubt, Philip does not take no for an answer. He insists, no, come and see. And he brings him to Jesus. Notice that in each of these three instances, the person who encountered Jesus wanted the other person to encounter Jesus for themselves. They simply sought to lead them. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. All right, we're good. We got it. That was helpful. So note how all of them just want to get them to Jesus. And we can learn a lot from these three examples of witness on how to witness it. Notice how John is not possessive of his disciples. As long as they are going with Jesus, he is happy. When we lead people to Jesus they may not end up worshiping here at Bethel. And that's okay. They may find their way to a neighboring church that faithfully follows Jesus. That's good. It's follow Jesus, not follow us. And too often we make witnessing into follow us. And we focus on secondary matters like Christian lifestyle and how to relate to the culture. But our goal is not to win people to our political perspective. Our goal is not to make people engage with popular culture like we do. Our goal is not to say, parent, like I do, or fit with our denominational distinctives as Presbyterians. Our goal as witnesses is not to have them fit and follow our pattern, but to follow Jesus. And John shows us that. Notice what Philip does. Philip does not argue with Nathanael. So often when we hear skeptics express their doubts, we want to step up like a defender and defend our faith. And so whether someone is arguing with us about sexuality or evolution or hell, we feel this deep desire to correct their error and win the argument. But Philip does not get into a debate with Nathanael about his Nazareth prejudice He says, come and see. Philip leads Nathanael to Jesus, knowing Jesus can defend himself. And knowing Jesus lets everything else fall into place. But my favorite example of witnessing here is Andrew. It may be because I'm one of three brothers and I have four sons who are brothers, but I love how John simply writes, he brought him to Jesus. What a legacy Andrew left behind. And you're probably thinking, well, what else did Andrew do? Andrew is described as doing one other thing in the Gospels. That when there was that crowd of 5,000 people that were hungry, Andrew said, hey, this kid's got five loaves and two fish. That's it. That's the only other thing Andrew does. And yet he brought Peter to Jesus. And consider what Peter went on to do. Consider the impact Andrew made by bringing his brother to Jesus. Pastor Richard Phillips writes, As important as preaching is, something at least as important, if not more so, is that a church have a whole legion of Andrews. Those who bring people one by one to Jesus through their heartfelt testimony and biblical witness to Christ. My prayer for all of you who believe in Jesus is that you would bring people one by one to Jesus. That you would not seek to win arguments, that you would not seek to get people to vote like you do, but that you would lead people to Jesus so that they might believe in him. But you might be thinking, those other things are really important. Why is Jesus so much more important Why is he such a big deal? Surely someone can just come to church and get to know God through the church. Yes, the church is really helpful. Or surely we could attach ourselves to a dynamic and amazing speaker and just listen to everything they say and follow them. Well, yeah, some some are good. Surely we could just follow this regimen of religious practices and be blessed by God for doing these things. Well, yeah, there's good things you can do. But why is it so important we lead people to Jesus? Because Jesus tells us he is the access point between heaven and earth. That he himself is the way to know the Lord and receive his blessing. That's what Jesus says at the very end of chapter 1 when he alludes to our Old Testament reading in Genesis 28 where Jacob had a dream about a ladder or a stairway or if you want a cool new word, a ziggurat, a pyramid with steps on it. So he had this dream of this stairway or ziggurat going up into heaven. And he saw angels ascending and descending on this stairway. Now the angels are the ministering spirits and messengers of God. And Jacob is seeing this vision of a constant stream of them going up and down. It's like that part of the restaurant in between the kitchen and the seating area. High traffic. People, food in, dirty dishes out. Food in, dirty dishes out. Except it's angels with spiritual blessings. And so Jacob's like, whoa, this is a cool spot. But look what Jesus does with it. Jacob thought the stairway was connected to that place. So he called that place Bethel, the house of God. But Jesus says to Nathanael and others that they will see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's Jesus. Jesus is the access point, the transmission point between heaven and earth. That Jesus is the true house of God. The word to become flesh where we can truly know God. Instead of being a temple or a house, as nice as this place is, instead of being a stairway or a ladder that we have to climb, He is a person that can be known and who can give us God's blessing. And we get glimpses of the blessing that Jesus offers in his conversations with Nathanael and with Peter. Notice what happens to Nathanael after he encounters Jesus. As Nathanael comes toward him, Jesus says, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And that's, it's not creepy. It's just a weird thing to say to somebody. It really is. But it seems like what he is saying is that Nathanael is not deceptive. He wears it all on his sleeve that he is open with his doubts, that whole Nazareth thing, and he is willing to wrestle with God, which is the meaning of Israel, that he's an Israelite, a man who wrestles with God. And so Jesus is saying, here is someone who tells it like it is. Now, Nathaniel, instead of being creeped out, is impressed that Jesus could perceive his character so quickly. But then Jesus does one more. Showing supernatural knowledge. Saying, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. We don't know what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree. And it honestly doesn't matter. What matters is that Jesus tells Nathanael something that no one else could know. Showing divine, intimate knowledge of who he is and his life. Jesus shows that he knows us Intimately. He fully understands our character and our heart. He knows what makes us tick for better or worse. He knows everything about us, everything we've ever thought, said, or done. And yet, in spite of knowing all of that dirt on us, he came into the world to make God known and save his sinful people. Knowing full well the depths of our sin and the extent of our doubts, he still came. Jesus knew it all. And he still came. What a blessing. And then in speaking to Peter, Jesus shows us, I I don't just know you, but I know what I'm going to do with you. When Jesus met Peter, nobody had ever called him Peter before. Never. He was Simon, the son of John. But Jesus goes up to him and says, You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Cephas and Peter both mean rock. Cephas is Aramaic, Peter is Greek. Those were the two languages they would have spoke back in those days. Now Jesus is not predicting the future, saying someday someone is going to call you Peter. No. Jesus is not saying that. He is not saying that some people will call him Peter at a later point in life. Jesus is saying because of what I do to you, you will become Peter, a rock. D.A. Carson writes that Jesus not shows that he not only knows people thoroughly, seeing into them like Nathaniel, but he then calls us and makes us as he calls us. That just as God created the world out of nothing, so Jesus recreates us by his power, making us what we are not by his power. Making us holy that we are not holy. This seems to be the kind of change that he's referring to when he talks to Nathaniel, saying, you will see heaven opened and see greater things than these. That Yes, the disciples get to see miraculous healings and other displays of power, but an even greater miracle is what he does in Peter. For in Peter, we see Jesus turn a falsely confident fisherman who denies him in his hour of need into a powerful proclaimer of the gospel. Willing to suffer imprisonment, beatings, and even execution with his rock-solid faith. That only Jesus can change us like that. And John is saying, I want you to know Jesus. The Jesus who knows you and can work this change in you. John knows what this is like. John likely was the second disciple with Andrew who left John the Baptist. And followed Jesus that day. He followed Him for three years as a disciple. He heard all of the captivating teaching. He witnessed the miraculous healings. He saw supernatural displays of power. He was up close for the moments of tender compassion. He was there when Jesus was hanging on the cross. He was there to walk in and see the empty tomb. He was there to see His risen Lord. John knows better than all of us how much Jesus can change us. How much meeting Jesus changed his life. And in his gospel, he's asking us, I want you to meet Jesus too. And so for those of you who know Jesus, let us rejoice how we have been blessed by knowing him and how he has already worked to change us for good. And let us lead both seekers and skeptics to Jesus inviting them to encounter Jesus for themselves in the Gospels. And may we do so one by one, testifying to how Jesus has changed our own lives. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for making yourself known through the Word and especially through Jesus. We pray, O God, that you would help us to know you through the Scriptures. We pray, O oh God, that you would help us to rejoice that we, are not only, that we not only know you, but we are known by you and you love us. O oh Lord, I pray that you would make us like Andrew. I pray that you would make us people who simply point and lead others to Jesus, that we don't seek to have people follow ourselves, but to follow him. Help us to have that humble boldness of knowing that we are not the answer, but we know where it is and to lead people to Jesus. May we not be argumentative or combative, but may we seek to love others as Jesus loved us in knowing us and making himself known to us. And so, God, we pray that many would come to believe, that they would seek and find, that they would have their doubts overcome through believing in Jesus our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.